Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Professional Sports Talk Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jack Murphy. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. In this Thursday episode, we're going to be previewing all the matchups from Sunday's action. Week 15 is upon us. Crazy to think we only have four regular season weeks left it's really coming down to the stretch here there's still a lot of football left to be played though there's still a lot of playoff implications left seedings still have to be decided no one team has punched in their playoff spot yet a lot of teams are still alive and looking for the playoffs as they come closer and closer we're going to pay more and more attention to the key matchups and how they break down in this week's episode we got the usual best bets for you guys i do want to say This was probably the hardest time I've ever had picking my best bets, and that's why I only have two. Even these, I'm not feeling absolutely great about. Actually, that's a lie. I've got three, um, but the final one, hopefully I don't regret. I'm kind of living a little sketchy there, living on the edge a little bit, but I have two underdogs, so hopefully you guys enjoy that content. I know you guys like when I make my underdog picks. Um, Let's just jump straight into it, because why not? Let's start with Cincinnati at the Broncos. Even with this game in Denver, I do like Cincy to win or at least cover their spread. I was pretty surprised to see the Bengals were dogs in this one, but I do think that has something to do with this game being in Denver. The Broncos obviously have a pretty good formula right now. It's very clear what their identity is. They want to win through their defense. They want to establish the run. They want Teddy Bridgewater to just limit limit his mistakes and not lose the game for him on most weeks. But I trust the Bengals and their firepower a little bit more right now. Even if the Broncos' secondary is very good, I still think the Bengals' offense is capable of making big plays if they need points in short drives. But also, if they don't and they have the time, I think they will have success running the ball. The Broncos haven't been great against the run all year long. I think we continue to see that narrative play out in this one. Um, I think Joe Mixon has a good game. I think that either way, there should be a very entertaining game. I haven't paid too much attention to the weather. That could definitely affect things. Of course, we know the elevation in Denver is always brutal for the visiting team. But again, I just really trust Cincinnati's weapons. Uh, I hope that their coaching staff is taking away what the media is saying, what I've been saying for quite a few weeks now. I hope they they pass the ball a little more on earlier downs and don't put, put as much pressure on Joe Burrow in those third down situations. Because again, you can establish a passing game first and have the run game work off of that. It doesn't just have to be establishing the run first and have the pass come off of that. Uh, I think that they're I don't know. They just spent so much draft capital on receivers. Of course, their quarterback was taken number one overall just two years ago. So I think that they need to spread the ball out a little bit more. They need to air it out. I think they will in this game. I think we're going to see that. I think that they're able to slow down the running game of the Broncos just enough that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be put in positions to be playing catch up. I don't think that's a very good formula. Again, such it's such a matchup driven league and a a lot of these ways i don't like how the broncos match up with cincinnati you could obviously argue the contrary and i think that's why that the broncos are favored in this one but again i was just kind of surprised by that i at least like cincinnati to cover that two and a half point spread if not i think they're going to win this game straight up i really do so you can take whatever odds you like. Either way, we're riding with Cincy in this one. I think they get it done. I think they bounce back after last week's very emotional loss to San Francisco. And again, they're still fighting for the NFC, excuse me, AFC North 
title and i think that they should be favorites to win that title i think this is a game where they separate themselves from some of the other afc north teams especially with the browns dealing with so much covid they're probably going to lose to the raiders and then the steelers have a really big game against the titans but we'll get to that game in a little bit and then of course the next afc north team right here i'm going to talk about them right now green bay is visiting them in baltimore ravens are being given five and a half points in this one. Green Bay is favored by five and a half. The Ravens, as we know, are absolutely beat to shit. Uh, I've already said this in a couple previous episodes. I think they peaked a little early. I think a lot of their injuries are catching up to them. That Marlon Humphrey injury was kind of like the last straw, in my opinion, of what was holding that whole secondary and that whole defense together as a whole. I still think they could find some success, but not against a team as good as Green Bay. Um, this is a bet I'm feeling much more comfortable with because I still think that the Packers are the best team in the league right now. Lamar, he not only is in a slump, but now he's coming off an injury. He almost certainly had less reps in practice this week. I don't think that's going to do any favors for them. And I just don't think they can keep up with Green Bay with how well they're playing because, of course, we know how explosive their offense is led by MVP Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams leading the way with all that secondary beat up as far as the Ravens go. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have his way with these guys. But of course, the Green Bay's defense is also very good, one of the best in the league. And with Lamar not playing nearly as well as he did early in the year, I think that's really going to show up big. I think Green Bay's pass rush gets going in this one. I think Devondre Campbell has a fuck ton of tackles. He's been an absolute machine for that defense. Just absolutely unreal to see how good he's been for them. Like, it's, it's crazy to see the transformation he's made. Credit to the coaching staff for bringing out the most in some of their guys. Credit to the coaching staff for dealing with injuries and not changing their game at all. They're still playing at an extremely elite level. I like Green Bay to win big in this one, even if it is in Baltimore. I think they win easily by more than five and a half points. If I had to guess a final score in this one, I bet it'd be around 30 to 17. I just, again, I simply don't think the Ravens can keep up. And we know how good Green Bay's defense has been. I guess I didn't give a score for the Broncos-Cincinnati game, so I guess if I had to shoot one out, I'd probably say since he wins 24-20. to 20. All right, and my final best bet of the week. Again, I hope I don't regret this one. This is the one I'm definitely feeling the least confident in, but I'm just going to ride with my boys here because I really like how they've been playing ball. I've been talking them up for about a month now, honestly. You guys know how much I like this team. It's the Patriots at the Colts. I like the Patriots a lot in this one. They're actually dogs in this one by two and a half points and i think both of these teams could make a super bowl run i really do but i gotta stick with my boys like i said that i think they find a way to slow down the run in this one we know belichick likes to take away what an offense does best and then everything kind of falls into place around that we know how highly i think of their secondary as well and the colts weapons although they are good they're not great i think this could be a defensive battle either way it should be very very entertaining and again there's just huge implications in this game just as there is with the last three if the patriots can hold off the colts in this one and get out of indianapolis with a w it's gonna be absolutely massive for their lead in the afc east but of course for seeding 
in the AFC playoff race. I believe they're still the one seed right now. I think they can hold on to that um, the rest of the season if they hold off the Colts in this one. But again, it's going to be a really good game. It's going to be a physical battle. We know how dominant these both of these lines are as far as the Patriots' D-line against the Colts' O-line is going to be a great matchup. And then the Patriots' offensive line against the Colts' defensive line is also going to be a great matchup in itself. Overall, I think we're going to see a lot of running in this game. I just truly think the defense is the Patriots' defense. I think that they make key plays when they need to. I think they slow down Jonathan Taylor. And I think that the Colts can't really take advantage of this Patriots secondary, which of course there's not much to take advantage of because they're so goddamn talented and they're just so good. But again, I just don't really like how their weapons line up with that Patriots defense. I think they continue their role going. I think they win. Again, I already said this score, so maybe I should have changed this one. I'll change it by a point. I think they win 24 to 21, pull out the win in Indianapolis. Either way, going to be a really exciting game. This is going to be one of those games that I'm going to definitely make sure to watch on Sunday. Most of you guys should too, because even if you're just a fan of the sport, this is going to be a highly entertaining game. Both these coaches are very, very elite, in my opinion. They're very well-coached teams. Both of these quarterbacks are limiting the mistakes on very high levels. And both of these run games should have large roles in this game. I think we can see we can see that play out even before this game gets going. And yeah, going to be a great game. Definitely one you're going to want to tune into. And the playoff implications are very much there. Three more bets that I don't really love or I guess two more bets that I don't really love but I could see why you might put some money on them and I wouldn't give you any slack for it but I'm not going to call my best bets we'll just call them bets that I like I guess uh first we got the Saints at the Buccaneers this is a lot of points in this one the Buccaneers are favored by 11 points and again for a team that Tom Brady has consistently struggled with since he's gotten to Tampa and even with the Saints fairly beat up the Saints are kind of like the Dolphins for Brady when he was in New England. He seems to play much worse. And the Saints' defense, for whatever reason, I mean, not really for whatever reason, they match up very well with the Bucks' offense. They can slow down the run very well. Their corners play very sticky and very physical. They give Mike Evans a lot of headaches. Mike Evans always tends to be very quiet in this game. Chris Godwin is always the one that seems to flourish whenever they play the Saints. I can see that happening again in this one. So don't get me wrong, I expect the Bucks to win. I just think with a spread this huge, with a team we've consistently seen Tom Brady play down in his competition to, consistently see him struggle with, we already seen, we've already seen, excuse me, the Saints beat the Bucks once this year. Of course, it was in their own building, but that was with Trevor Simeon under center. I don't know how much Taysom Hill helps him out. But again, 11 points for an NFL game is just a crazy amount for a team that we've seen consistently give Tampa Bay issues. So I really like the Saints to cover there. I guess if I had to say a final score, I would say it'd probably be around 20 to 27. Again, I still think the Bucs are going to win. Don't get me wrong. I just think the Bucs are on such a hot pace right now. They're playing very, very well. They're really gelling on all cylinders other than that second half in that Buffalo game. That was kind of a different story. But again... Just so many points here. So take Saints and the points here. And let's get on to the next bet that I kind of like. This one's more of a gut feeling game. Um, I don't really have too much to say here. And again, it's kind of that loophole where I think one team's going to cover that spread. But I, that doesn't necessarily mean I think they're going to win. Of course, I am talking about the Seahawks at the Rams. It's one of those divisional games. 
uh, even if one of the teams is significantly better and playing for a lot more, you just never really know what's going to happen in a game like this. They just know each other very, very well. We saw that two weeks ago when the Seahawks beat San Francisco. And again, it could be one of those similar types of games. Like we weren't, I made San Francisco one of my best bets when they were playing two weeks ago. And I learned my lesson the hard way that you really shouldn't bet against these divisional games because, again, they know each other so well. They know exactly what they want to do. Uh, they definitely play up to the competition when there's divisional matchups like this. And Russell Wilson and his guys are still going to be playing for his, their pride. Those boys are going to be juiced up on the Hawks bench because they know that Russell's probably trying to leave after this year. They're going to want to give him every reason to want to stick around. And I think they play their absolute tails off for this guy. And again, four and a half points is just a little much for me here. I still think the Rams are going to win this one, but they're dealing with some COVID issues. Um, not too many injuries as far as that side of the ball. Jalen Ramsey probably is still out this game, if I had to say. Um, I, it's just I could be wrong about that one, but I think he's still going to be out on this one. Again, not too much to say here. Just more of a gut feeling on this one. I like the Rams to win by a field goal. I've got the final score at 24-27. And hey, at the end of the day, if the Seahawks pull it out and somehow win this game, I can't really say I'd be surprised because again, these divisional matchups, you just never know. All right. And I want to talk about a few more games for my preview. Uh, let's talk about, let's start, let's start here. Let's start with the Washington football team at the Philadelphia Eagles. There's very, very, very big playoff implications, and the Washington football team is beat up. They're not looking good for a playoff push right here because before this, um, I actually said this a couple weeks ago, I thought that the Eagles were going to just, even with a 100% healthy Washington football team, I thought the Eagles were going to win this game. I still think the Eagles are going to find a way to sneak into the playoffs at that seven seed over teams like Washington, over teams like Atlanta, over teams like... Maybe even the Vikings. I don't know. We're going to have to see what happens at the end of the year. Again, these the bottom of the NFC past the fifth seed is just such a mess. Like So much can happen here. So we're just going to have to continue to wait and see how it plays out. But I could really see the Eagles pushing for a seventh seed. Heineke should be good to go in this game. But they're likely without Terry McLaurin, who's obviously one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL, without J.D. McKissick, without Curtis Samuel. That's three of their best weapons on offense. So we can expect to see a lot of Antonio Gibson this week. I think fantasy managers should be very happy to see that some of those other guys are out. And we could see, again, a lot of Gibson. But the Eagles, they have been in the past pretty good at stopping the run. And the Eagles are also very healthy, especially coming off their bye. So I think the Eagles just continue to play the game they have been playing and find success in this game doing it. They're going to have long drives, focus on running the ball, managing hurts, not asking to do too much. Kind of that Denver Broncos mold. Even though I think Hertz is a little more capable, and of course him being a dual threat, you have to account for that 11th man on the field. He creates mismatches all over the board, and I think we see that a lot in this game. I think he scrambles out of the pocket, probably gets another rushing touchdown under his belt in this one. And while their defense hasn't been great, I still think they're going to be able to find ways off excuse me, find ways to capitalize off of the mistakes of the Washington football team. I could definitely see another Darius Slay interception in this game. Uh, again, if there's a player prop bet out there for that, I would greatly take that. And I'm kind of only saying that because I nailed the AJ Terrell interception last week and I felt pretty good about that one. So I'm kind of calling my shot on this one too. Not going to lie, just kind of tooting my own horn there. But 
either way, uh, Eagles are favored by seven in this one. That's not really a spread I'd go near because I could see them winning by over than seven. I could also see them, you know, winning within three or four points. Either way, I just they don't fucking care. They just want the, the W in this one. I think they're going to find a way to get the W in this one. And I think that that's going to really throw a wrench in the Washington football team's momentum to make the playoffs, especially, you know, losing to the Cowboys in that last week. And now they're more than likely going to lose to another divisional matchup this week in the Eagles. Um, I just think the Eagles, the, these teams are just trending different ways. You know what I mean? The Eagles are getting healthy coming off their bye. They've had an extra week to prepare for this one. And Washington football team, while they're not coming off a short week, they're beat up. They're missing a lot of their best weapons. Heineke's starting to regress a little bit, even though, of course, he still flashes at times. Uh, I just really like the Eagles to win in this one. And I think that, again, huge, huge, huge playoff implications in this one. Eagles fans should be very excited to watch this game on Sunday. All right, the next game I want to talk about, uh, just going to quickly cover this one, is the Vikings at the Bears. This is the Monday night game. The main question in this one is, are the Vikings going to choke on this game? Are they going to choke it out? Are they going to find a way to fuck up and lose it for them? Because clearly, I mean, first off, they've choked so many other times this, this year. They almost choked the Steelers last week in absolutely historical, embarrassing fashion. They didn't. Thank God for them. But, I mean, clearly by far and away, the Vikings are the far more talented team here. I think Justin Jefferson goes on, just continues his spree, uh, continuing to break records over there. He's just an absolute stud. I think Kirk Cousins, for the most part, will have a clean pocket to, th to throw from. I think if the Bears do find a way to win this one, it'll be by throwing Cousins off his platform. That's normally how you beat Cousins is getting pressure. Uh, off the edges and his face just he's not particularly good under pressure as any quarterback is you know pressure is not a quarterback's friend um but yeah if the if the vikings can slow down robert quinn this one he's by far and away the bears best pass rusher right now uh i don't really expect very much from the bears but again you just never know with the vikings they always play down to their competition they always seem to be in close games no matter even if it's 29 nothing left in the third quarter which is just absolutely ridiculous they always find a way to make games close so again it's kind of like it's not so much like the vikings versus the bears in this one uh mike florio of pft had a really good metaphor it's kind of like the vikings versus winning in this one it's just how can they not fuck this game up for themselves and how can they just sustain their lead for long enough to get out of Chicago with this W. And then of course the other question becomes can Justin Fields just continue to show growth, give Bears fans hope because he's obviously our first round pick for next year. Uh we traded up in last year's draft giving up a first round pick to the Giants and I believe that's like a fifth overall pick right now, sixth overall pick right now, something like that. Something that's very very high. But again, so Justin's our first round pick this year. If he just can continue to develop, continue to show growth in this one, I think that's all Bears fans can really hope for because obviously our playoffs hopes are very much out the window at this point. Next game I've got the Titans at the Steelers. This is going to be a really good game. Of course, as I've, the trend continues, this game is going to have huge playoff implications as far as seedings. The Steelers really need to win this one if they want to have any chance of staying alive to make it to the playoffs. And of course, the Titans have a lot to play for too because while it's looking like they are going to get a playoff spot, it's looking like they are going to win their division, which is, I mean, it's not a guarantee yet. It, it almost is. But again, they're really fighting for seedings. They really are still in the race for that one seed, especially if the Colts can beat 
New England and then Tennessee wins this game, it's going to have very, very big implications for them for getting that first round bye. And overall, both these teams are just pretty confusing right now. Um, well, first, I think both of these coaches are just out of their goddamn minds. I think they have their teams completely outperforming the talent levels greatly that they have. I think they should seriously both be in coach of the year consideration. They could both be coach of the year consideration each and every single year. What they're doing with their squads is absolutely amazing. I love the blue chip or blue collar uh, chip on their shoulder mentality. Blue chip. What the hell did I just say? Blue collar, blue uh, chip on the shoulder mentality that they both carry. They're both just really likable guys. Clearly, they have that locker room completely bought in on both ends. But again, both these teams are confusing. The Titans are confusing because they keep finding ways to win, even if they win very ugly most weeks. They're still very beat up. Their O-line is not protecting Tannehill very well. And we could seriously see TJ Watt take this game over if their O-line continues to play the way it has the past couple weeks. And that's, again, if he can just stay on the field because he has been dealing with that groin injury almost all year. And then the Steelers are just confusing, mostly because of Big Ben. I mean, he's actually flashed at times and looked really, really good, especially in recent weeks. But to start the year and other times during the year, he's looked completely awful. Just had some really, really turnover-worthy plays. Uh, either way, this game is going to be extremely impactful for playoff football, as I've already said. And... It's just going to be a really interesting game. I think that Vegas themselves don't really know what's going to happen in this one. That's why there's only a one-point spread in this game. I could see a bunch of different things happening. But again, it's going to be a really entertaining game. I think these are two of the best coaches in the league right now. I think these are the two of the more intriguing teams just because they're they're confusing and they're entertaining and they make for really good tv so again this should be a really really good game very much looking forward to this one make sure to tune in sunday for the steelers at the titans no titans at the steelers sorry got that wrong and the final game we're going to talk about really quickly is we're going to be partially talking about this game we're also going to be talking about uh just a bunch of fiasco going on with this team because it's completely embarrassing should never have happened but the man causing it all is gone. Of course, I am talking about the Texans at the Jags. Question in this game is, will the Jags be able to rally together and get a win after firing Urban Meyer? I think so. Apparently, Vegas does too, as the Jags are four and a half point favorites in this one. But let's just talk about Urban for a second, because let's be honest, this game doesn't fucking matter at all for the future. The only thing that matters is can the Jags rally together and win after the head coach has been fired. There's actually like a pretty common trend in the NFL that a team tends to play better the next game after a really big loss, like a head coach or a starting quarterback, just because they find ways to just come together as a whole. And I think that in this particular case, it's going to be very impactful just because of how widely honestly hated it sounds like urban meyer was in that building i mean what a total asshole i mean i i I have to be very satisfied he didn't finish the year there i think football fans as a whole have to be satisfied he didn't finish the year there because one that douchebag didn't deserve it and two he was not only just like bad at running the team but he was constantly being shit on by media and for fucking completely valid reasons i mean the guy was just a total asshat you've heard just bad rumor after bad story after fucking it it all started like people forget about this obviously there was that whole bar incident in cincinnati where he didn't you know come back home with his team which 
fucking of course i thought it was a total jackass move at the time i think i talked about it a little bit in my podcast there um but let's be honest it started before the season started when he hired that strength and conditioning coach i believe the guy was from west virginia who had a really bad history with some of the players i believe they I, again i don't want to defame anybody i'm really not trying to get sued um but i mean not too many people are listening to this podcast anyway, so I can probably say it and be partially wrong. I could always look it up. You can always look it up yourself. But apparently this weight and conditioning coach had like some racist connections to him or uh, there was something about like him demeaning kids and stepping on kids or I don't know. There, there was there. I don't remember the whole story. You guys can look that up for yourself. Again, I don't just want to go out there and just completely tear someone apart if I don't have all the facts. So, and again, racism is a very, very strong connotation to put on somebody. So I'm not directly trying to do that, but I'm just trying to say what I remember when that story came to. I'm pretty sure I remember something in there being mentioned about racism. And again, don't really want to be wrong about that one. So maybe I shouldn't go into too much depth about that. Um, because again, I don't want to sound like a total asshole who's just defaming some guy because he did, he may or may not have done something. But either way, the dude was a total dick. Um, <laughs> caught a lot of heat in college for that. So that was like the first domino to fall. And then, of course, I mean, honestly, that wasn't even the first domino to fall. He, Urban had his own controversies back before he was an NFL coach. He had this whole controversy with Ohio State and, you know, covering up for a friend or whatever the hell it was. Uh, again, I don't know all the details about these stories, so you can go ahead and look it up yourself because I don't want to get the facts wrong. I really don't want to, um, you know, I, I, I just, I'm not trying to start something that's not true. I'm not trying to, you know, defame anybody. I'm not trying to be a liability, all that good stuff, bad stuff, not good stuff. Um, but of course, then he gets the coaching job. He doesn't go back with his team to Jacksonville. He stays in Ohio. There's that video of him with that woman that's not his wife dancing on him um and you can say whatever you want about any action he did there being disloyal whatever but the real problem was is that he didn't fly home with his team just no nfl coach would ever do that except for urban meyer and now he's clearly no longer an nfl coach but stories have just been ramping up in the last few weeks and they're from the jaguars themselves so they're not necessarily bullshit i mean players have even addressed it directly of course there's the whole marvin jones debacle and marvin jones is a great dude like marvin jones has a great repetition around the nfl obviously i don't know the guy firsthand no shit but from everything i've heard from other media sources and reliable media sources he's never been a problem with any team he's played on He's never started issues. He's always been a family-oriented guy, always been super cool. And then just hearing her, him and Urban Meyer just completely getting into it and uh, tearing each other apart. And then Marvin goes to the media, addresses it like a man, and says that, you know, we settled it like men. We talked about it. We're cool. We It was two and a half weeks ago, whatever, whatever. And Urban basically coming out and just like basically denying all of it, saying that, not necessarily that it didn't happen, but just completely downplaying the whole event. And then, of course, recently it comes out hearing that he kicked Josh Lambeau in the leg saying, yeah, make your field goals. And then Lambeau retaliated back like, what the hell are you doing kicking me? You can't like, who the hell do you think you are? Essentially, like you can't be doing that. I'm still a player. And then Urban basically being like, I'm the head coach. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Um yeah, no, that's not going to work in the NFL. He is on such a power trip, clearly. He's very much 
used to the college level where kids absolutely need him to get to the next level to, you know, bring in the bacon for the families because those are very desperate kids most of the time. They don't come from the best households. They don't come from money. Um, and they absolutely need Urban to, you know, succeed, make it to the next level. And it's obviously not entirely the same now with the new NCAA rules and now college athletes can get paid for their talents and all that, which is great. I'm glad they can. Um, but again, I think he's just so used to that, that when he gets to the NFL level and these dudes are making more money than you or the same. And, you know, some of these guys are coming from very successful organizations. Uh, some of these guys have had a lot of success in the NFL level already. And this guy's proven nothing and he's treating them like absolute shit. Yeah, that's just telltale signs of you being a total, complete douche. And I can say that. Um, I don't care if Urban Meyer comes at me. He's been getting torn apart by the media, as he should, because the guy is a fucking douche. There's just no other way to put it. He completely deserved to be fired here. Jags fans should be ecstatic that he's out of the building. I'm glad they didn't even let him finish the year here. I think it sends a much bigger example to him and to the players in the locker room that they fired him in the middle of the year and they weren't afraid to get rid of him and let him finish out the year there. Because obviously, before this happened, everyone was saying, oh, it's going to be a one and done. He, they're going to fire him after the season and who cares what's on the rest of his contract. Let's just buy it out just to send a message. So I think it sends even more of a message that, you know, there's four weeks left in the regular season. There's still some wins to be had on this board. Of course, this is very much one of them against the Texans. I think it sends a great message to the locker room just saying, nah, fuck that. We're, we're not dealing with this bullshit. We are so over this dude. We're totally with you guys. Let's get rid of him. And so credit to the front office for doing that because Obviously, the Jaguars have not been a very functional organization for the last decade or so, maybe even two decades. Um, and, you know, dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things, and the dysfunctional thing would have been to keep them around for the rest of the year. So I'm really glad they stepped up, stood up for themselves, and fired this guy because he was completely worth, worthy of it. He's not worthy of having an NFL job ever again. I hope he just sits on his couch. I hope he never goes back to college ball because – yeah, I'm clearly passionate about this, but fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Fucking douche. All right, guys. So that's going to do it for this week's ep or this day's episode. I hope you guys are enjoyed this preview episode. If you did, be sure to share it with your friends and family. Be sure to follow at Professional Sports Talk on Instagram for constant updates on the NFL and NBA will be coming soon, guys. So be sure to stay tuned for all that good shit. Uh, thank you guys so much once again. I uh, hope you guys have a good rest of your day. Did I miss anything in my notes? Nah, I think I got everything. All right, guys. Thank you so much. I uh, said that way too many times. Have a good one, y'all. Peace.